Once again, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, as you're finding that, let's talk about Easter Sunday for just a minute. I want to make sure we fully understand why we're here, what this celebration is all about. I know that some people instinctively say, you know, I need to go to church. It's Easter. But why? Why is Easter such a big day? What, what draws us here? What causes us to know that this is important to be here today? Well, it's what happened on this day. And let me reiterate something I said earlier. Easter is not just another holiday. It's not a day off. It's not just another time to, to do a family activity, although those things are fine. This is a lot bigger than Easter eggs and the Easter bunny. So what's going on? Here's the deal. You and I really need to understand why Easter is so powerful and impactful. It's understanding the very basics of Christianity. You see, the foundation of Christianity is not religion or ritual. How many heard what I just said? Christianity, how many heard what I said? Thank you. I knew some were still reading. I know. But it's not about religion. It's not about ritual. It's not about just going through formalities. Here's what you need to understand. The Bible tells us that God loved us so much when we were lost in our sin. When we had strayed away, when we'd missed the mark, the Bible says every one of us have sinned. The word sin means to miss the mark. Every one of us have run down dead end streets. Every one of us have tried to find God on our own or run from God. We've blown it. We've missed it. But God loved us, listen to me, so much that at our worst, He came to us. See, religion is weakened. Religion is really something man designs to make his way to God. It's man trying to earn his way to God. But Christianity is not about that at all. Christianity is not about you earning something. It's not about you and I proving something to God. See, Christianity is the opposite of man working his way to God. Christianity was God coming to us at our worst. His son, born of a virgin, came to this planet, put on our flesh, walked in our shoes. The Bible says everything you've been tempted with, everything you face... Jesus faced that while he walked on this planet. He understood family problems. He understood being misrepresented. He was betrayed. He was lied upon. Leadership failed him. Everything, family dysfunction, disorder, all those things he faced in this life. And the amazing thing was he never gave in to that. So he died on the cross. Is that big? It's huge. Because you and I are the ones that were guilty, but he went to the cross and died in our place so that the sins we've all committed could be taken care of. That's called grace, unearned favor. You didn't earn the cross. I didn't earn the cross. Jesus went there for us. So instead of you and I earning, God paid for it. And then Jesus died on the cross, dying for our sins. Had he stayed in the grave, it would have all been for nothing. Had he been died like all the rest of us on this planet die and remained there, Satan would have won. There would be no grace. There would be no hope. There would be no future. It would have just been another failed attempt. But on the third day after he was placed in that tomb, Jesus rose from the grave, not just spiritually, but physically and bodily. So today, I call Easter the Super Bowl of the church. I mean, this is the big Sunday once a year when we celebrate Jesus defeated every plan the devil ever put together to ruin your life. He broke all the devil's rules. See, you know, people tell you, listen, there's two things that nobody can escape. What are they? Taxes and some guy back there said marriage. Shame on you. Tax, ta- taxes and death. 
taxes, and death. But, you know, can I tell you something? Because Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave, death cannot hold you. It could not hold him. We have been made victorious. So the day is huge. It is the exclamation point that God's love for you worked. That God's plan for you is still in motion. That your life can change. I told you earlier, I believe we have a divine appointment today. As I share this Easter message with you, I want to make it very personal. I want you to relate it to your own journey. Let's read about the resurrection morning. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, look at this, this is huge. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Could I ask you an important question today? Why do we keep looking for hope, for life, for strength, for freedom and grace in all the dead places? Why does man keep creating his own way to God when they're all dead in places? I have good news for you today. Let's get out of the tombs. Let's get out of the dead places. Let's get out of the dead in streets. And let's look for Jesus in the living. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. There's a couple of things you really need to understand here. I want you to see this because I'm going to share a message with you today entitled simply, Trapped. Trapped. Every one of us, at some point in life, have been trapped. We've been caught. We've been locked into some place. We never planned on stopping. Trapped. Watch these ladies. You see, these were close followers of Jesus. And on the day he was raised from the dead, they were not going to the tomb to celebrate his resurrection. The disciples were not even there. Jesus had plainly told them, when we go back to Jerusalem this time, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be, I'm going to be falsely accused and then crucified. And, and then on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. He told them that. And yet, these ladies and his disciples only saw a trap, a tomb. They thought the tomb was the rest of their life. They thought that was the end of their hope. The ladies weren't coming there to celebrate. They were coming to embalm his body. They were coming there just to, I I say, redecorate the tomb. What does that mean? People who've gotten trapped stop believing there's hope, stop believing it can change, stop believing they can be rescued, and we just start redecorating our tombs. We just start making the trap feel a little better and then we try to get other people in the trap with us that have the same problem and we think that because we're all trapped together it's better listen to me if you're trapped by yourself or you're trapped with a hundred other people you're trapped and what you need is somebody who can rescue you from that place in your life these ladies weren't expecting him to do what he said so their future was a trap for them now let's think about this for a minute how did they arrive there 
I want you and I to know that everybody faces those moments in life where we could be trapped. You see, think about Jesus' life, how it began. Life begins with expectations. Uh, he was born of a virgin and the angels announced his coming and said he would be a savior. And he did miracles. He healed people that were sick. The Bible said he raised people from the dead. He walked on water. He took one meal and fed thousands of people. Those are not fairy tales. Those things happen. But somewhere from that great beginning until the moment that we're reading and hear about these ladies, something happened. Something got off track. They were off the rails. They became trapped thinking he would never do what he said. It's not going to happen. You know, life is like that sometimes. We're expecting great things. We have high hopes and big dreams. But somewhere along the way, we get stuck. You know, I love children. I love to talk to children and listen to them. They're so pure. And they're so innocent. And they're so honest, aren't they? They're honest and they'll tell you. And I've gone to children before and I love to ask this question because I love to hear what they're thinking and say, hey, tell me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you know the stuff they say, well, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. You know, I want to help. I want to make a difference. I want to be a teacher. I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. I, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a lawyer. You know, you hear these stories. You know, they never say, I want to be a preacher. That bothers me. But anyway, that, you know, all the things they, they say they're going to be. But you know, and all, I ask that, I've asked that to dozens of children, maybe hundreds. And you know, not one time, not one time has a child ever said to me, when I grow up, Pastor, I want to be a wino. I want to be a crackhead. I want to live in the gutter. I want to be homeless. I want to live in prison. I want to lose everything. I want to be embarrassed. I want to be ashamed. I want, to, I want to blow it in life. I want my family to call me a failure. I've never heard that one time. See, every one of us instinctively start the journey of life. Say, I want to do something with my life. I want to have a good marriage. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good husband. I want to make a difference. That's how everybody begins. But what happens? Life takes us down these paths. And we had expectations. And we get stuck. We get trapped. Think about the last week of Jesus' life before the cross. It began with a triumphal entry. Just one week ago, we celebrated Palm Sunday. It was an amazing day for Jesus and his followers. These very ladies who went to the tomb with no expectation. One week before, the whole city of Jerusalem was waving palm branches and laying their clothes on the ground as he rode the donkey past them and shouting and praising and the children. There had never been anything like it. And one week later, they nailed him to a cross. Things happen in life. The very last hours before the cross. How did it happen? People got stuck. People made mistakes. Look with me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. I think you'll be able to relate to some of the things that are going on here. Matthew 26. If you turn there, let's begin reading in verse number 14. Matthew 26, 14. Watch this. This is one of the very 12 disciples that were with him. Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked. Watch this. This is a stunning change for this man. What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? What happened to Judas? He saw what everyone else saw. He saw the miracles. He, He saw undeniably who Jesus was. And yet, here's his friend. 
here's his disciple going to those who hated Jesus and say, look, what will you give me if I betray him? What's the price of handing him over to you? So they counted out for him uh, 30 silver coins. From that, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So now we're in the upper room. They're eating the Last Supper just hours before his crucifixion. Judas and all those are there. And, and what do we read? Look in verse 19 with me. So we read this. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Watch this. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Watch this. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Right there. He had already made the deal. He lied to his face. Surely not me. He wants to look good with everyone else. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. One translation says, You yourself have said it. The trap is set for Jesus. Judas will betray him. How did Judas get there? How did he get stuck? What made him miss what the other 11 clearly saw? What happens to us in life? How do we respond to situation? It determines if we're trapped or not. But let's keep reading because there are other disciples here. Let's look at verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away account of me, on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Watch this. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered this very night. Before the, roast, the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Don't worry, Jesus. We got your back. We're your friends. You can count on us. Everything's going to be okay. Well, let's see what happens for the rest of the night. Let's look at verse number 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. The Bible says that he prayed. The the disciples fell asleep. He goes back to them. He wakes them up. They fall asleep again. He goes back twice. They fall again. And now on this third time, let's look at verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas One of the twelve arrived. With him was a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Watch this. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kissed. Can you imagine that the sign of betrayal was a kiss? How calloused. How trapped. How disturbed. How deluded had this man become. How does that happen in life? The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Look at this. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. 
Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Let's stop for a moment. Can you see how Judas began? Do you think Judas began to follow Jesus with plans of betraying him? No. Do you think that as Judas watched the beginning of Jesus' ministry that he was already calculating, how am I going to betray this man? No. But can I tell you, Jesus had the opportunity to be trapped. The bait was set. And Jesus could have become angry and bitter and said, you know what, you betrayed me, I quit. Everyone left me tonight, I quit. But he didn't do that. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever trusted someone? Has there ever been anybody in your life close enough to kiss you while they were stabbing you in the back? Has anybody ever said to you, you're my friend, and yet they turned their back on you? That gets a lot of people trapped. And then I think about Peter. What's it like to make a promise and then break that promise? Peter said, you can count on me. I'd rather die. I'll die before I neglect you, Jesus, or betray you or deny you. And, And before the morning, he's already denied him. Have you ever made a promise to God? and broken it and you feel guilty and ashamed and instead of running to God you find yourself now running away from God have you ever broken a promise to your family have you ever made a vow you didn't keep and now guilt and shame and embarrassment have you trapped and you don't know what to do with your life see this is very real This is why I'm talking to you today on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, the day of victory, the Jesus who was buried in a tomb and trapped in a tomb. He knows how to get you out of your trap. He knows how to set you free from the places in life that no one else can rescue you. He walked through these things. Those around him did. They knew what it was like. See, everybody has had opportunities to be trapped in life. Every one of us. Somebody lied. Somebody hurt our feelings. Maybe we made a promise we couldn't keep. What do we do? Unexpected things happen. How many times have you thought, man, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know that was going to happen. I never would have expected that. So what happens? We get stuck. Our dreams die. Our hopes die. We give up. We start making bad choices. We start accepting substitutes. We start supplying counterfeits. We start making excuses. And you know, when you begin excusing yourself, you're already accusing yourself at that moment. It's already wrapped up. You know, let me explain it like this. We, we love good beginnings and we, we have expectations of great endings, but it's the in-between that traps us. Have you ever been to Disney World? Anybody ever been to Disney World? One of the big rides at Disney World is Space Mountain. Space Mountain. It's a roller coaster inside a building, and it's dark the whole time. Now, the first time you ride Space Mountain, probably you had to wait in line for an hour, which is not fun. I think if you, should, if you wait in line more than five minutes, that Disney ought to start discounting your price. Come on, how many agree with me on that? I mean, I didn't pay $100 to stand in line and look at the back of a stranger's head. Anybody? But that, that's my problem. I understand that. So you've waited in line. And you get there, and you're next up. And you're looking, and and here's these people. Come on, Disney, Space Mountain. And they they get in their little car, kind of like a tube. And have you ever noticed, uh, this is the beginning of the ride, and they're all happy. And they're exciting. And they're taking selfies, and and, and, and they're high-fiving, and and they're all excited. And you see them, whoo, and they're gone. Okay, you're waiting on your car, and and before you get in, here, here their car comes back. And you're like, wait a minute. They don't look like they did when they left. Their hair is like this. Some guy's got his shirt up over his head. 
They lost their camera. They're, they're digging around. They, their, their hat's on backwards. I mean, what happened to them? And, and, and something between the good start and the expected finish got off track. And now you're next. Life has some sneaky places in the dark that we hadn't planned on. I'm really scared to use this as an illustration, but I'm going to go there. Marriage. Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> See, you ladies have an advantage over we men. See, you, when it comes to marriage, listen, you've been practicing all your life. So what do you mean? Well, you know, Barbie marries Ken. You know, and, and the dolls get married, and, you know, and your mom and the baby. You know what I'm saying? You've been doing this all your life. We don't ever do that. I mean, there's a bride magazine. Have you ever seen groom magazine? They don't, they don't have that. You mean, you've been getting ready for this. You plan, you plan. They got TV shows. Say yes to the dress. I'm like, it's a big moment of your life, and your family's there, and there's like a thousand dresses, and you've got to pick one. I mean, how, what is, how would you do it? They're all white. How do you know? And so you go through all this thing, and, and, and you spend enough money to buy your first car. Got to be perfect dress. Oh, this is it. It's a perfect dress because you've been practicing. And, and what do we do? We just go rent something. I mean, you know, that's all we wore. What we wore is rented. We didn't even buy what we wore that day. I mean, and, and, and so guys have these unrealistic expectations. I got to tell you, you know, anyway. So... It, there's a start and there's a finish and there's a whole lot of living in between there. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Tell the truth. You know, well, anyway. Gravity happens. You know what I'm saying? Gravity happens. Stuff falls. Men, men get the furniture disease. Their chest falls in their drawers. You know, they, just, they used to look like, sorry, you know, you, you used to look like whatever. I mean, it's just, come on, just stuff happens, you know. You, you married Hercules and now you got Santa Claus. Come on, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. So we didn't, you know, see, I didn't see that coming. You didn't see that coming. Great beginnings. High expectation. Woo! What's over here? See, I, I grew up in a real small church. And, and when I got engaged, fell in love with the most beautiful woman in the world, who's still the most beautiful woman in the world, and I still wake up every day and think, how did I trick her into marrying me? But I told Phyllis and all the ladies, we had a big wedding and everything. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. I had never been to a wedding before my own. My, my wedding was the first wedding I'd ever gone to. And I kept saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And they would laugh. Oh, and I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I don't know what to do. Oh, we'll have a rehearsal. Everything be fine. And at the end of the rehearsal, I said, I'm still not sure what I'm supposed to do. And they just laughed at me. I wasn't trying to be cute. I was scared to death. So it's the night of the wedding. You know, so I'm going to do my best. I, you know, they, they opened the door and said, go out there now. So they're like, I followed the pastor out there, you know. So I went through everything pretty good. It got pretty good. And, and then, then, we, then we got to the, uh, you know, I, I thought, man, I've made it. You know, he, he, he pronounced his husband and wife. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Jesus, and this is better. And, and then he said, you may kiss the bride. So, okay. So we didn't practice that. I told him. She didn't have that on last night. So I look at Phyllis, and she got a veil on. And I was like, hmm. 
I'm probably not supposed to kiss her through that. I remember something kind of like the veil. So I get the veil and I put that up. And she looks at me smiling like I got that right. Now the next part, I had practiced. The kiss. Don't look at me like that. I'm not a dugger. I had kissed her before marriage. I'm sorry. Not a lot, but some. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Not a lot, but some. Just some. So I said, I got this part. I, I know what to do now. So I kissed her. I'm like, oh, yeah. I got this wedding thing down. And then somewhere the man thing hit me. You know, I told him, I don't know what to do. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I heard my father's voice. Son, always leave things the way you found them. Yes, sir. So I looked at her and I thought, I guess I ought to put that veil back down. I mean, I, I, I said I didn't know. So I reached up to get the veil, and Phyllis's eyes get real big. And I start to pull it down, and she goes, mm. So I just let go of it. And on her pictures walking out of the big night, you know, those veils are stiff. Looks like a rooster walking out of there. I mean, I said, I don't know. Something happened between the way we started that ceremony. And somehow when I got to the end, thank God she still walked out with me and loves me. And I'm still learning how to be a husband. See, Abraham, God went to him and said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. You'd have to count the stars to see all your descendants. And you're going to be a blessing. And you're going to bless all the earth. But somewhere between when God told him that and before the sun came was 25 years. Abraham could have got trapped, but he just kept believing God. There was young Joseph, 17 years old. And God came to him and said, you're going to be a great leader. You're going to lead your family, your family. You're going to save the world. And Joseph was like, this is going to be a great life. But somewhere from the beginning till he got to the place sitting on the throne of Pharaoh, his brothers talked of killing him, sold him as a slave. He was lied on and falsely accused and went to prison. Somewhere along the way of your life, from your expectation to your conclusion, the devil is going to bait a trap for you to destroy your life. And why is that so important? And why does he fight you so hard? Oh, I want you to help you understand this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. Let me show you what's going on. Why do you fight what you fight sometimes? Why is it sometimes more difficult than you thought it should be? Watch this. This is what happens when a Christian goes to heaven. These verses. A lot of people aren't familiar with this. This is for Christians, okay? 1 Corinthians, 13, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. You ready? His work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, let me just quote this in verse 8, For by grace, thank God for grace. What does grace mean? Unearned favor. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, so no one can boast. We're saved by what Jesus did. Watch this. But then verse 10 says that God's making and fashioning something out of our life. And this is what the Bible says. And there are works which God created 
and advance for us to do once we become a Christian. Listen to me. You can't earn your salvation. You don't work for your salvation ahead of time. Everybody with me? But once you become a Christian, the Bible says we have these incredible gifts, talents, opportunities that God gives us to serve Him. When we get to heaven, our life, what we did, why we did it, our attitude, our motive, how we did it. When we get to heaven, our life is going to pass through a test. The Bible said like fire. And if what we did was right and good and the right motive and we served God and we were faithful, then it's going to pass a test and it'll be like gold. But if we didn't do what we should have, if we were just didn't care and, and didn't love God and weren't appreciative and didn't serve God and, and, and we only did what we did for people to watch us and titles and, and, and acclamation, then, then that's just going to be burned up and there's nothing there. But the Bible says, I want you to get this, it says, as we read through there, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. What you're going through, you're listening to me? What Satan's using to try to trap you? If you refuse to trap and keep being faithful to God, you're going to receive reward when, a reward when you go to heaven someday. It's going to be an amazing thing, a reward that God wants to give you. I want to show you this. Maybe you understand. Well, pastor, what's the reward going to look like? Listen, the reward's going to be a crown. You say, well, why do I need a crown? Is that so important? Is that good? Well, let me tell you. Let's look at some verses very quickly. This is what the Bible says about crown. When your life is there and you've been faithful and when you could have been trapped, you just stayed faithful, God says you're, you're making crowns that are going to be given to you in heaven. Is that important? Oh, oh, it's very important. Philippians 4.1, Paul says to those that are there, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, he says, you are my joy and my what? You're my crown. Stand firm. Paul says, all you folks that I have preached to, that I've won to the Lord, you're my reward, you're my labor, you're my crown. Do you know that when you're faithful serving God, when you do the work of God, you're earning a crown in heaven? Do you know when you get to heaven, there's going to be a reward? There's another verse here, Second Timothy uh, chapter 4 and verse number 8. Paul says that there's in store for me the crown of righteousness. You know what the crown of righteousness is? Listen to me. You know when you've been faithful to God and your friends accused you? Do you know when you've been faithful to serve God and come to church and worship and other people had walked away? Do you know that when you gave your heart to Christ and your friends did too, but they quit and you're still faithful, there's a crown of righteousness for you. Do you know that when you said, I'm going to worship God and people ridiculed you? Do you know, listen to me, when you're the only student in your high school, in your college, in your middle school, and your friends say, hey, you're crazy, let's go party, let's get drunk, let's get high, and you say, no, I'm going to serve my living God, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for you. You're going to be rewarded when you get to heaven. James chapter 1 And verse number 2 says that consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Do you know that when you've suffered, when you've been sick but you still love Jesus, when you had questions and you praised Him anyway, when you had to endure a hard time and you said, I'm not going to be trapped, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for you. There's a crown. The Bible says there's even the crown of a soul winter. Winter. But what I want to do, I want to show you a little illustration from heaven before we close. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Turn there in your Bible, please. Revelation, the third chapter and verse 11. 
What is God looking at? You say, Pastor, I don't know if a crown's that big a deal to me. I mean, if I go to heaven, why do I need a crown? Why is that my reward? What's so unique about that? Listen to me. This is going to change the way you look at what's happening in your life. Let's read Revelation 3 and verse 11. Let's look at this together. What do we find here? Verse 11 says, Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can what? Take your crown. Do you know right now, Satan is doing everything to steal your faith, to break your heart, to lock you in a trap. Are you listening to me? Do you know why the devil's fighting you so hard right now? Because once you get to heaven, he can't take your crown. Once you get there, it's too late for him. So what is he doing? He wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal everything that you've been working on and cause you. Because see, if you lose your hope, if you lose your faith, if you get locked into a trap, if your life becomes a tomb, you're never going to get this crown. There's even the crown of a soul winner. I believe I'm going to get one of those crowns. I'm going to go to heaven and, and, and they're going to give me a crown and say, say, George Sawyer, you won souls to heaven. Here's a crown. Pastor Emilio, you're going to get that crown too. Many of you are going to get that crown too. Monty, you built this throne. You're going to get a crown for that. You see, there, there are all kinds of things people get a, get a crown for. You're faithful. I did what I could. You know, when everybody laughed at you and you served Jesus anyway, got a crown. You know, when people said you ought to give up on your faith and walk away, you got a crown. And there's the throne of God in heaven. And what does that mean to us? I want you to turn your Bibles. Go to Revelation chapter 4, just to the next chapter. Turn there with me. I want you to see something that's really important here. Revelation 4. So what happens, Pastor? What do we do? Why is it important? Why do we hold on? Why do we not let anybody steal our crown? Because if the devil gets you trapped, you don't get a crown. Is a crown important? Oh, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. See, we look at everything from earth. We need to begin to see what heaven thinks about your crown. And why you need one. And why it's important. And why the devil wants to trap you. He's horrified that you're going to get one of these someday. It's his worst nightmare that you're going to have one of these someday. And I'm going to show you why. Look at Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 4. This is what we read. We're in heaven now. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now let's drop down to verse number 10. So what, what, what do you do with the crown in heaven? Why is that important? You ready? The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and they lay their crowns before the throne and say you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being listen to me when you get to heaven and you want to say thank you God thank you God thank you God the only tangible object that you will have in heaven to give him is the crown that you earn by serving him in this life and there will be a day that you will join me and we will go before the throne of God and we will lay down our crown and say you are worthy full of glory and honor I'm going to put a crown before the throne someday and say God I've come to thank you we're going to put them there together the crown is not mine it's his but we were rewarded By not giving in 
to the bait of the trap. The people who wanted to trap us and deceive us and give up on us. It's powerful. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 12. I want you to see what's going on in heaven. We see that the crown is to be laid before the throne. It's how we say thank you to God. It's how we say, Lord, you've been good to me. You've helped me. You've been faithful. You have a lot of opportunities. Revelation 19, 12. You have a lot of opportunities to get trapped in life. There are a lot of excuses to give up. There are a lot of reasons to be mad. There are a lot of situations that if you give in, you'll never see the other side of it. But I want to tell you the ultimate reason. Listen to me. Of why God wants to give you a crown. And help you through the hardest moments of your life. I want to say this before I read it. What you're going through matters today. My Christian friend, the trial you're walking through matters to God. God is with you in that trial. He's for you in that trial. God's not against you. He's for you. How many hear what I said? The devil wants you to give up and think God's not there. But God's with you. God's for you. And he's keeping records. Every time you say yes to God, there's a crown that's being added to your name. Every time you're faithful when it's not easy, God has done this. And what's the ultimate reason? What do all these crowns do? Well, they're how we give glory to God. But I want you to look at Revelation 19, 12. We see this. This is Jesus coming back from heaven with the armies of heaven and the redeemed that have been raptured to destroy the Antichrist and establish his rule. And this is what he looks like. Are you ready? He's going to make a statement. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19 and in verse number 12, this is what we see. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And on his head are what? Many crowns. Here's a statement that Jesus is going to make as he comes back to establish his kingdom. Many crowns. I don't know how he's going to wear them all. I don't know how that's going to work, but the Bible says many crowns. And do you know where he got those crowns? He got those crowns from you and me and faithful people who laid them before him when they came to heaven. And maybe this crown is your crown because you didn't give up when everybody said you ought to give up and you laid it there. And maybe this crown is when you were sick and you didn't get well as soon as you wanted to, but you laid it there and you endured. And I believe when I go there, there's going to be a crown and I'm going to watch Phoenix walk up and lay a crown down because she endured and said I'm not giving up I'm not giving in my God is faithful he's going to help me and she's going to lay that crown and there's going to be some high school student who is faithful to God when other people are walking away and they're going to lay a crown down and ma'am you're going to lay your crown down your family doesn't understand you and you've got prodigal sons and daughters and they're breaking your heart but you're praying and praying and praying and praying and you're going to lay a big crown before the Lord someday right there he's going to gather them up and as he descends to win this battle Satan is going to be horrified because he has many crowns on his head see the devil already knows that Jesus defeated him the devil already knows the power of God But when he sees Jesus coming with all these crowns that you have laid before him in worship, he's going to be reminded that not only did Jesus defeat him, but you defeated him. And every crown reminds him that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Every crown reminds him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every crown reminds him there is nothing impossible with God. Because you see, the places where you could have been trapped... You were faithful to God. You just kept walking to the other end of this thing. 
And the devil thought he had you. And he was going to defeat you. And he was going to destroy you. But you see, the victory is ours. And our crowns are there. Someday we're going to stand together in heaven, friends. And I never thought about George Sawyer having a crown. But when I get my crowns, I'm going to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. You get all these crowns. You deserve all the glory. And as he comes riding down on this planet from the glories of heaven, every demon in hell is going to scatter. Every trap the devil ever put, listen to me, is going to be broken by the power of God. And here's what I want to say to you today. You don't have to live trapped any longer. You don't have to live trapped another day. Are you trapped by unforgiveness? Are you trapped by bitterness? Are you trapped by confusion? Have other people hurt you and lied to you? And have we made the mistake? Did we take the bait and say, well, if God was good, this person wouldn't be bad. My friend, God is good all the time, no matter how bad people are. People want to say, well, if God was a good God. No, 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 He is a good God. He's a faithful God. And someday when you lay your crown before Him, you're going to say, it's been worth it all. It's been worth it all. Jesus, thank you. It's been worth it all. Today, Satan wants you to believe that your future's a trap. Today, Satan wants you to think that there's no way out for you. I've sinned too much. I've waited too long. I've gone too far. No one will ever believe me. My friend, it doesn't matter what people say or do. What does God say to you today? And I'm telling you, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed and falsely accused and lied and they killed him and buried him but three days later he broke out of the trap and because he ripped the door off the trap he's ripping the door off your trap today because he said I'm not going to be in a tomb he's taking you out of your tomb today you see many of us only look at our tomb as if by doing something wrong but there may be people in this room today and your tomb your trap is you think you're good enough you think you don't need a savior You think that you can, you know, boy, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. God help me. We we think being a CEO is good enough. Christmas and Easter only attendance. And we think I'll just give him a little bit. I'll just stay in touch. I got this. I'm okay. Everybody else does what I do. It's all right. We voted on it. It's fine. Can I tell you? If you're trapped, you're trapped doesn't matter what anyone else says you know in your heart you're trapped you know there's freedom you know it's better you know you had days where where you loved the presence of God where you wept in the presence of God where your Bible was alive when you read it when you loved to tell somebody else about how good God was when prayer wasn't a burden it was a joy you know what it's like when your first love is going on in your heart and somewhere Satan trapped you your love grows cold God becomes distant we filled ourselves up with all the substitutes and counterfeits. We could always find somebody who agrees with us because they're in the same trap you're in. But God loves you too much to leave you trapped. God's the one who gave you the passion to be great, to do something good, to make your life matter. And the younger you recognize that, the better your life becomes. The longer your weight, the stronger the grip on your life becomes. The longer your wait, the darker your cave becomes till you can't see your way out and you accept it. I'm trapped. I'm in a tomb. I'm here to tell you today, the one who broke the greatest trap of all is waiting to break your trap today. The one who rescued himself will pull you out of your tomb 
And he wants to do it right now. The Bible says that Satan is like an armed man who took his captives and put them in prison, trapped them, and there's no way they can get out until a stronger man comes. And the stronger man, who is Jesus? The Bible says he tore down the armor of the strong man and ripped open the doors of his prison. And all of his prisoners came running out, thankful they've been set free today. In the name of Jesus, we rip the doors off your tomb, off your trap place, and tell you, you are free if you accept the love of Jesus Christ. I want everybody to stand, and I'm going to ask you to reverence this moment. Please don't move. I didn't say walk. I said stand. Just stand. I want to pray an important prayer with you right now. Do you see what Resurrection Sunday is all about? It's not just a holiday. It's an exclamation point that God knows where you are, and God's not through with you, and it's not too late, and God wants to rescue you from your trap. Here's a very easy, simple thing I want to say to you today. Please listen closely. Today, every one of us in this room have an opportunity. That's an amazing opportunity. What you're about to have an opportunity to choose came by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the cross. The highest price ever paid bought this moment you and I are going to experience right now. You see, what happens to us when we get trapped We were serving God. We wanted to. We had plans. Life did what it did. And we got stuck. Instead of walking with God, we literally have been walking away from Him. We didn't shake our fist at God. We didn't say, I'm an atheist, but but, but my life is saying it, even if my mouth isn't. If I'm not serving God, then I'm saying I don't believe in you. I'm saying I don't need you. And we never intended to be there. That wasn't the plan. That's not the goal. We just got stuck. Good people got trapped. Sincere people got trapped. And you don't know how you can get out. But Jesus is here to set you free today. All it requires is for you to be honest and say, Lord Jesus, I never knew how much you loved me. I never understood that you alone were my way out. I want to ask you to be my Savior and Lord. I want to give my life to you. That's not a bad thing. That's the smartest, wisest, boldest thing that any human being ever does. Here's my life, Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've never understood it and, and, and you thought of all these other things. Just It's that simple. Here's my life. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. The only other ones are those that once did that and you've walked away, got trapped, stuck. You've done things you never thought you'd do been places you never dreamed you'd go said things you wish you could take back those moments those bad choices listen to me nothing can ever change that but Jesus Christ new start new beginning he'll walk into your tomb today and resurrect you if you just give him the chance I want to pray for you today. Would you let me do that? Everyone here, let's let's pray a simple prayer together. Lord, I pray for the men and women in this room today. Lord, this room is full of people with divine appointments uh, watching on our social media platforms. You have divinely orchestrated this supernatural moment. It's amazing what you've done to get us to this moment, Lord. Lord, I thank you that even though some people have been trapped, Lord, I was trapped. I was so trapped. And you rescued me. 
Lord, I want my friends here today to find that same freedom, to meet this same Jesus. Not a distant God of some religion, but Jesus, Savior and Lord, the rescuer from their traps, the healer of their hurts today. Lord, I pray they would come to you and just receive you. Not try to figure out what other people think or say, but just do what their heart is screaming for them to do right now. You know, friends, this moment's so important. I'm going to ask everyone here to help me. It's too important to miss. Now, if you can do this reverently and respectfully, I need your help. If you cannot do that, just remain still and quiet where you are. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And don't do anything until I count to three. And I'm going to ask you to turn to the person on either side of you. Because sometimes somebody just needs a friend. They just need a little help. And when I count to three, I want you to turn to the person on either side of you. I'm asking you to do this so it's not going to be offensive or personal. No matter how well you know them or don't know them. When I count to three, I want you to just simply say, if you'd like for me to go with you to the altar, to the front. I'm going to ask people to come. I want to pray for you here. You're, so, so they don't come along. If you'd like to go to the, go, I want to go with you. If they say yes, you're saying, if you say yes, you're saying, yes, I want to be saved. Yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Yes, I want a new beginning. Yes, I want to get out of this trap. It's that simple. So if someone's going to say, hey, if you want to go forward and say, yes, I want to go with you. Okay? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is where your life turns. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. Then ask that question to the person on either side of you. And when they say yes, bring them here. You ready? One, two, three. Please go ahead and do that right now. Just respectfully. And when they say yes, come on. Come on and begin to come. There's nothing to wait on. There's nothing to pause. Come on. Just come on. Just come right here to the front. Man, I'm so happy. If nobody asks you, you don't have to have an escort. Come on. I want every altar worker, every trustee, every elder, every pastor, all my leaders in Elevate, XV3, I need you to come right now and help me. These, these altar cards are right here on the front. Come on. Isn't this awesome? Look at this. Man, I'm proud of you guys. Bless you, buddy. Bless you, man. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Look at this. Come on. They're still coming. Don't give up. Come on. Come. We'll wait on you. We'll wait on you. Come on. Come on, isn't this amazing? We wouldn't miss this moment in your life for anything. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. All all you that have come to pray with me, I want you to wait a minute before you start talking. I want to lead them in a prayer. Would you all pray this prayer with us? I'm going to ask everybody here. Come on, keep coming. Come on, there are people still coming. Man, 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 come on. This is so awesome, so awesome. There are people coming out of their tombs today. We're getting out of the traps today. These people are brave and bold and wise. They've got the courage to say, I'm getting out. Come on, man. Come on. Look at this. Stay steady with me. Are you praying, Christians? Come on. Look, people are still coming. We're not in a hurry. Come on, pray. Pray, 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 pray with me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Look at this. They still come. Still coming. Still coming. Come on. I need all my altar workers, all my pastors, all of my trustees, all my elders. Come on. I need you to come. I need everyone that's in those categories. I need you to come right now. If you're an altar worker for production, I need you down here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pray again. And if you want to come, you just keep coming, all right? Everybody, can you pray this prayer out loud after me? All you dear friends here in the front, everybody, let's do this. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I need you. I've been trapped. I need to be set free. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being patient with me. 
thank you for this moment I know you died on the cross in my place I ask you to forgive me of all my sins come live in my heart and change my life from the inside out heal me where I'm broken set me free where I'm bound today I declare you're my savior and you're my Lord and I give you my life from this day forward in Jesus name amen amen thank you Lord Jesus now hold on everybody thank you Lord guys those of you that are here praying there's listen don't get in a hurry these friends are here to pray with you but before you leave I'm going to ask every one of you to these guys have a card for you to fill out let me tell you why that's important this is not just an event it's the beginning of a new relationship and we don't want you to go try to do this by yourself all right let us help you we'll pray with you if you've got questions people are here to do that we want to help you all right listen while they're doing that i want every christian before you leave i want you to they're praying here i want you to raise your hand come on all the believers there i want you to raise your hand you got your crown in your hand come on i want you to hold it up i want to pray for you father the devil will not steal our crown we are not giving up and we are not giving in and we will stand before you someday and lay this crown at your feet what's happening to me is worth it all what I'm going through is not in vain I will not give up I will not go back I will not give in I will stand before you with my reward someday I pray that over my friends in this room and those watching in Jesus name Amen Amen God bless you